0: Church, church is something that I am passionate about. A lot of you have heard me tell the story before, but um, I've only lived once, so the stories are all the same. So, uh, when I was a senior in high school, I made out the application and I applied for a place in, uh, with the Assemblies of God I was with at that point at their Bible college, to go to their Bible college when I graduated high school. It was a small... Um, Non-accredited Bible college that wasn't really a you know, it wasn't really an academic place. It was simply to prepare people for ministry, folks who felt called to ministry. So I applied, and part of the application process was that I had to give a couple of people for references. So I gave my pastor and I gave my high school principal uh, because it was a small high school. I knew him; he knew me. I was quite involved in the life of the school and um, so I gave him. A couple of weeks later, I get a call saying that um, I need to go to the principal's office. So I went to the principal's (laughs) office. I'd been there before. Uh, so (laughs) Surprise. So uh, I I went to the principal's office, and uh, he had a piece of paper on the desk in front of him. He said, what's this? I said, I'm not sure. What, What is it? He said, this is from some Bible college asking me to give a reference for you to go there. What are you thinking of? And I said, well, I feel what I ought to be doing is I want to go and train to be a pastor, and I want to be a pastor. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, Blackmore, because that's how they talked to people back then, Blackmore, I will not sign anything that helps you to waste your life. If you're going to any university in the country, I'll give you a glowing reference, but I will do nothing with this piece of paper. And that was it. Now, I've never been good at doing what people say, so I went to Bible college. And uh, I did the two-year course, and as you all know I, I started pastoring then. I was 20 years old when I started pastoring. Now, pastoring is kind of like another of a number of other vocations. Sometimes, like for, for those that are in education, you, you might teach for a number of years, and then uh, you get to a point where you're really good at teaching, and someone says, you ought to apply for this, and it becomes a Uh, it becomes more of an administrative position you go towards, and you end up doing administration. And in a lot of fields, that happens with people. They start doing it, and they rise till they're they're actually supervising others doing the job. And, and, you know, pastoring's a bit like that. A lot of people, after they've been pastoring for a few years, they move into something a little different. Some decide they don't want to be involved with day-to-day church life. So, they, they look to become evangelists and spend the rest of their life on the phone and emailing people, asking if they'll let them come to preach. And so, 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 so some go that direction. Some, some go to, to become teachers and trainers. Others go and work for Christian organizations. I didn't do any of those things. Um, though there were a couple of opportunities, I didn't do any of those things. I have spent the whole of my life totally committed to church. And I'm here on this Back to Church Sunday to say, I believe in church. I believe in church so much that church really has been my life. So what do you do, Roger, with your life? Church. Church. What do you spend your time with? Church. What do you invest in? Church. Church. What are you passionate about? Church. And, and I'm so happy that on, on, on this Sunday, back to church Sunday, I, I, I get or to or 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 I take the opportunity just to kind of chat about why church? Why does church need to be so important? Why have I invested the whole of my life in church? Now some of you may say, because you can't do anything else, and that would be true. <laughs> But why have, I, why have I put the... Why am I still doing it at 73 years of age, for that matter? Why are you still so concerned about church? And, and I, I want to tell you this. I, I, I read this statement um, a couple of years ago. There's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. And I believe that. There is nothing like the local church... When the local church is working right. Hundreds of years ago, the, the guy William Tyndale, who translated the Bible into English, he said this The church is the one institution that exists for those outside of it. And the first thing I want to tell you today, where i we're answering the question, Why church? and why am I passionate about church, is this The church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope. If you've been here any length of time, you've heard me say that before. And I'm happy to say it again. I believe the church is the hope of the world. Let me read you a few verses from Luke's Gospel in chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. Not long after that, Jesus went to the village of Nain. His disciples were with him along with quite a large crowd. As they approached the village gate, they met a funeral procession. A woman's only son was being carried out for burial, and the mother was a widow. When Jesus saw her, his heart broke. He said to her, don't cry. Then he went over and touched the coffin. The pallbearers stopped. He said, young man, I tell you, get up. The dead son sat up and began talking. And Jesus presented him to his mother. In in, in that event during the life and the ministry of Jesus, here he is face to face with a drastic situation. This young man has died. He was all that his mother had left because she had already lost her husband. And in those days, the husband, or in this case the son, the man would have been the provider for the household, for the family. So here she was now, without anyone to provide for her, without anybody to care for her, without a companion, alone and vulnerable, tragedy just multiplying now in her life. And here's the thing. Nobody in that funeral procession could do anything to relieve her pain. They could be there with her. They could sympathize with her. But they couldn't do anything because her needs were beyond any human remedy. Reminds me of the words of a hymn we used to sing a long time ago. And, And it starts out like this. How can a weary heart find rest? By doubt dismayed, by sin oppressed. I strive to wash my sins away, but failing weep both night and day. There's no solution. There is no answer. There is nowhere in this world that people can find peace, pardon, purpose, the assurance of eternal life. There is no therapist, there is no support group, there is no medication, there is no self-help book that can achieve those things. The only thing that can give people hope, the only place they can find hope is that Jesus is the hope giver. You'll only find hope, you'll only find help, you'll only find healing in Jesus. Now, any of the other things I just mentioned might guide you towards Jesus, but Jesus is the answer. And Jesus came along to that village called Nain, and because Jesus was there, there was an answer to the problem, because He raised the dead son back. Here's the problem. This world needs Jesus. You can feel free to say amen there if you like, all right? But don't feel pressure, don't feel pressure, all right? But it does. This world needs Jesus. But here's the problem. Jesus isn't here. Or is he? Or is he? Matthew 5, verse 14. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I have put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, the generous Father in heaven. Jesus isn't here. Or is he? Because Jesus, who is the light of the world, said of you and I, you are the light of the world. And I tell you this, the church is Jesus to this world. The church is the the vehicle that shows Christ to those that are hurting, to those that are in despair, to those that are hopeless. The church is the hope of the world. I read a book a few years ago that really made an impact on me, and part of it said this, there is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, and the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. That's what the church does. You know what the church does? The church does Jesus' work. The church becomes the hands and feet of Jesus. The church becomes the loving, caring face of Christ, why is the church the hope of the world? Because the church represents Jesus Christ himself. So, look, I know there are elections coming up and there's all kinds of stuff all, going to be floating around that and it's going to get worse over the next 14 months. But here's the bottom line. There is no politician who is the savior. There isn't any there is only one who can save and that is Jesus. And where do people find Jesus? Through you and through me. How can people encounter Christ? Well, one way is they encounter Christ through his church. The church is the hope of the world. Sometimes we kind of you, you know we 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 look at us and say well here we are here and it's you know it's nice to see on a Sunday morning, the, the place comfortably full, and uh, it's a great thing to see, but we might lose sight of the fact that, y- you know what, the church actually comprises several billion members worldwide. There are millions of congregations scattered around in the most remote corners of the world. And let me tell you this news, whatever is happening to church attendance in some parts of the United States right now, the reality is this, Christ church is still growing. Amen. It's still growing. And another, another reason why the church is the hope of the world is the church has got a track record. It's been around for over 2,000 years, and it's still going. How about that? Over the last few years, we've seen the collapse of some major companies that we never thought would go anywhere, but they're not anywhere to be found anymore. But the church of Christ is alive and it is well. Thank God. Hey, they shut us down for a while, rightly or wrongly. They, you know, we didn't have services in-house for a while. You know what happened when we weren't having services in-house? The live stream of our services reached people that we would never, ever have reached if that hadn't happened. So actually what happened is is that our our influence increased through those months that we were totally shut down. You can't kill the church of Christ. You can't. You know why he can't kill the church of Christ? Because they couldn't kill the head of the church. Right? And the head of the church came back from the grave. And the the truth is, a church might go through times of battle. It might go through times of difficulty. There might be periods when it really struggles. But never forget this fact. We are part of something that isn't any man's making. We are part of something of which Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. (laughs) The church, the church is the hope of the world. And what we're doing here Sundays is not just having cozy, comfortable, friendly services. What we are actually doing here on Sunday is we are providing that light that Jesus talked about. A light set up high so that people see it. We are providing an opportunity for folks to come in and really encounter the living Christ and find the hope that can only ever be found in Jesus. The church is the hope of the world. That's why I've given my life to it. And I want to tell you way more than that. The Bible says that Christ loved the church and gave His life for it. The church is the hope of the world. And then secondly, let me say this, the church is the home we all need. The church is the home we all need. Lincoln was once asked what he was going to do to all the rebellious Southerners when the last resistance of the Civil War had been defeated. And his response surprised the questioner. Lincoln said this, I will treat them as if they had never been away. And that, folks, is how God treats you and me. The church is a home that everybody needs. One of the most well-known stories in the Bible is the story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. And Most of you will know that story. This young man gets his inheritance ahead of time, goes off, squanders it, living a not-so-good life, and then when he's used up all his money, he finds himself with nothing, and he's in a desperate place. He hasn't got food to eat, and he's doing the most despicable of jobs for a Jewish person, which was feeding pigs. And sitting there feeding the pigs, the Bible says he came to himself. Thank God. That's happened to a lot of us, hasn't it? It came to the point in our lives where we finally came to ourselves. And when he came to himself, he said, even my father's servants are doing better than I am. I'm going back home. I'm going back home. It's not a good thing to be alone in a strange place during hard times. And the church is important because it's a home. As the band sung earlier, it's Father's house. It's a place to come back to and know that you can belong. I am totally convinced that as much as we are blessed with and need natural families, we need a spiritual home too. Church is not just a place to go to, it's a family to belong to. That's what it's all about. So it isn't just the case, yeah, I go to Genesis. It's like, yeah, I'm glad you go to Genesis. But there's something a little bit further than that. It's when you come to the point of recognizing, I'm part of Genesis. I'm part of it. One of my favorite Bible verses is in Psalm 68, and it's verse 6. And here's what it says. God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely. In. There's something about family, isn't there? There's something about like just getting home. When, you know, when you get home, you just close the door, and it's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine, right? After the dog's LICKY you to death, it's like it's fine. It's good. I'm home, right? You can relax. You can totally be yourself. You can let your guard down, right? I could put on a pair of shorts and an old T-shirt. Nobody's going to judge me. Often. You know why? Because I'm home. And we all need that. We need a spiritual family where we can let our guard down, just be us, and know we're accepted for who we are. God sets the lonely in families. Acts two forty four 44 says this about the church when it started out. All the believers were together. Just notice that word. They were together. They had everything in common. That means they looked out for each other, and they looked after each other. They were tight. In fact, the early church knew a considerable amount of persecution and opposition, and two of its leaders, Peter and John, were pulled in not long after this before the Jewish leaders, and they were threatened and told they must never preach again about Jesus. And I love their answer. They said, well, you work out yourselves whether it's right to listen to God or listen to men. But as for us, we're never going to stop preaching about Jesus. I like that. Good answer. And they let them go. And here's here's what it says in Acts 4.23. On their release... Peter and John went back to their own people. Let me pause there for a moment. You need to have your own people to go back to. You need to have a church family that you are connected to. They went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. You need your own people who care for you. You need your own people who pray for you. church is the home that we all need. We need others to pray for us. We need others to care about us. We need, i tell you what we don't need. We don't need to be able to fix each other. Right? I tell you what, when I finish fixing me, I'll work on fixing you, okay? But don't hold your breath because this may take a while. We don't need to fix each other. But we do need to care for each other, be there for each other, and pray for each other. We do. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says this, Dear brothers, comfort those who are frightened. Take tender care of those who are weak. And be patient with everyone. That's how the church began. Christianity began as a fellowship then the gospel spread to greece where it became a philosophy then it went to rome and it became an institution It was declared the official religion of the roman empire then eventually christianity came to america and became an enterprise But that doesn't change the fact that what Christianity really is, is a relationship. It's a fellowship. It's a relationship with God and it's a relationship with like-minded people who are sharing the journey. Why church? Why have I invested my life in the church? For this reason. The church is the home that we all need. I tell you, I look around here most Sunday mornings, especially like about 15 minutes before service when the place is nuts. It's great. It's great. People all over the cafe, uh, and, and because of the echo we've got in this building, it's like, you know, it's, it sounds like this whole cacophony of sound around the place. And it's like, this is fabulous. This is life happening. I don't know, did some of you, were you ever in a context where church was, you walk in the door, you sit down and shut up, and you do the service, you get up, and you walk out, shake hands with a minister, and you're done. Right? Right? Yeah, this is the anti-church church. It's like, it's like if you could leave your ice cream, we're going to start a service like, we don't. Hate to interrupt you hanging out, but um, it's 10 o'clock. Uh, church is a whole. It's the home we all need. And, and then this third thing. Church is the hub where we all grow. Here's why church. Why church? Because the church is the hope of the world. It is the home we all need. It is the hub where we grow. Here's, let, me, let me just make a statement and then feel free to fall out with me after. I don't care. All right, here we go. There is no healthy relationship with Jesus without a relationship to the church. Now, you, some folks might say, well, you mean say I can't be a Christian if I'm not in church? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But if you want a healthy, vibrant, growing relationship with Jesus, that cannot happen in a context of isolation. It needs to happen alongside others. Ephesians 2.22 says this, In Him, you two are being built together. That same word again, right? In Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. How do we get built? We grow together. We're built together. As we fellowship together. Let, let, let me just mention a few things quickly because time is going here. And... Uh, Let me mention this. One is we grow through the truth that is being taught. We grow through truth. So so God's Word helps us to grow. Now this, this coming week, tomorrow we are going to actually start a full series of midweek Bible teaching. And uh, many of you will be aware of that. If you're not, then let me just mention to you what I'm going to be doing for the next seven weeks is I'm going to be teaching a Bible study through the New Testament book of James, which is all about growing to maturity as a Christian. And we're going to start that, and we will be offering it three times, because I know everybody's got different schedules. So tomorrow night at 7.30 on Zoom. If you're on our regular email list, we will email out the Zoom link tomorrow. If you are not on our email list, please send a note to us, admin at genesisli.com. When I say us, that's Charlotte's email address, actually. (laughs) Admin at genesisli.com, and ask for the Zoom link. I want to mention to those of you that are watching us online, we'd love to have you join us. We do have folks who join us on our Zoom Bible study on a Monday night from other states, and... uh, wherever you are, if it's convenient to you. Again, if you just drop us the note at admin at genesisli.com, we will send you the link, and we'd love to have you join us tomorrow night at 7.30. It runs for less than an hour, and if you're able to join us, that would be great. Tuesday morning, we will be doing the same Bible study in person here at 10.30, and then Wednesday evening again at 7.30. Tuesday morning and Wednesday evening, after the teaching segment, we'll break into smaller groups and have some conversation about what was being taught. But that starts this week. One of the ways in which we grow is through hearing God's Word, the truth that is being taught. We not only grow through the truth that's taught. Let me just run through this very quickly. We grow through the experiences that are shared. We grow as we just chat together and talk together and hear from others what's been happening to them, maybe how God helped them, what they have been through and how they got through it. We, we, we grow as we share experiences. Then we share, we, we grow as we undertake adventures together. This has been 25 years of pretty much nonstop adventure to tell you the truth. But we grow as we undertake as we, as we as we attack things that seem too big for us as we undertake endeavors that seem as if they're going to be impossible we grow as we do things together we we have a whole group of 20-odd folks going to the Dominican Republic in November of this year and and we've got dozens and dozens and dozens of folks from our church who have been involved in missions trips and and we do mission trips for two reasons. One is we look to help other people. The second reason is you grow when you do stuff. We grow when we undertake adventures together. And we grow as we develop relationships. How do you develop relationships? Some, some of you may have be, been here for a while and you come, maybe you, you're here regularly on a Sunday and you say, well, you know, how, how do I get connected? So there are two very straightforward ways to get connected. One, as I mentioned, offers itself this week. If you get plugged into one of our in-person Bible studies, when we break out into smaller groups, you're going to get to know some other people in the group and get connected with them. That's one way to get connected. The second way to get connected is to get involved somehow in serving here and making things happen. It takes dozens of people to make things happen here on a Sunday morning from the person who comes here at the crack of dawn to put coffee on, to the brave heroes who are with our kids and I thinking, I hope he, you know, right? It's like, you know, there are people back there who are thinking, is he finished? <laughs> and, and right the way across. And, and you know, one, one of the ways to do that, and it's not just about Sundays. There's so much that happens here during the week that is, outreach oriented through our grace care programs to help those in need. And one of the ways you get connected is to get involved. Right? And, and, and you may say, well, that's not exactly what I'm looking for. It's like, well, that's all we've got to offer. I, I mean, that's it. That's it. You know, we're not looking for passengers to please. We're looking for people who've come in the boat who say, give me an oar. I want to row this thing with you. That's what we're really looking for. I I totally believe in the church. For those of you that are back to church today, I'm absolutely thrilled you're back to church. For those of us us that are here on a regular basis, don't ever let it become just routine. Recognize that the church is the hope of the world. The church is the home that we all need. And the church is the hub where we grow. Let's thank God today for Father's house. Let's stand and pray together. Father, I thank you today for the tremendous promise you give us when you say that you set the solitary in families. You take those who could be lonely, and Lord, you plant us into your family your household. Father, we thank you for the fact that this local church, this church, is your creation. It is you working. Thank you, Lord, for lives that have been changed for eternity in this very place. Thank you that there are those who had no hope, who found hope those needing help who found Jesus to be the help they needed. And Father, I pray that this church will continue to be the hope of the world. May we be a light that shines brightly so that people find Jesus here. Amen. 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 Let's sing with the band just now.